Blockchain, NFTs, AI. What does this mean for you and me? I'm Sherelle Dorsey, host of the TED Tech Podcast, where we bring you the latest innovations and biggest ideas in tech. Tech is evolving fast and it affects our lives, from the metaverse to the watches on our wrists. You'll learn why people in AI make good business partners, about our future self-driving robo-taxi, what the next generation of Siri, Alexa, Google looks like, and a lot more. Find TED Tech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. A quick note before we begin, this episode contains references to sexual assault. Please listen with care. So back in 1988, when you started the company with that first $88,000 contract, did you imagine that you'd eventually be building a giant warehouse full of computers? For me, really, I just wanted to make it maybe five to seven years and not be a complete embarrassment. I never in my wildest dreams believed I'd be doing what I'm doing. And that's why this is so important, because as I tell the folks at Google all the time, you're changing lives and giving hope to people who really, you know, they they have hope they'll do okay, but to actually get into this scope of work to where people of color really don't get in, it's, 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 it's life-changing for all of us. This is Where the Internet Lives, a show about the unseen world of data centers. I'm Stephanie Wong, and I'm your guide to the people and places that make up the internet. This season, we're exploring how data centers change the world around them in surprising and transformative ways. My name is Charles David Moody Jr., and I am the founder and CEO of C.D. Moody Construction Company. In previous seasons, we detailed the size and scope of modern data centers. Although the outside of a data center is a relatively simple design— the insights are incredibly sophisticated. We're talking miles of cables moving power and data, networks of pipes funneling water to cool rows of computers, and tons of concrete and steel to house it all. It even impresses a construction veteran like Dave Moody. Sites are huge. The buildings aren't elaborate or anything like that. But the the guts is just unbelievable. And I feel like I did when I walked on my first nuclear power plant site. I had never seen anything that big, that uh, fast. And so when I walk on a data center site, it, it reminds me of when I was young, a young architect. For Moody Construction, data centers are just the latest in a long line of big projects they've tackled over the last three decades in business. We've worked on the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, uh, Ray Charles Performing Arts at Morehouse, Atlanta History Center, International Terminal, Phillips Arena. I mean, just all kind of great projects over the last 34 and a half years. Each one energizes Dave and encourages his team to go bigger and do better. He loves seeing a bear plot turn into a building, and the craftsmanship excites him just as much as it did when he was a kid. Carpenters, plumbers, electricians, iron workers. I mean, to see craftspeople do what they do is just so phenomenal. It just fit me. I really love also the teamwork of construction and being out in the weather, the cold, the heat, the snow. The only thing I, I never was really crazy about was the porta johns, but you know, you get used to it. Dave grew up in Chicago in the 1960s with his mom, dad, and two brothers at the height of the civil rights movement. 
Black founders in any industry were rare at the time. They certainly weren't very visible to him. I grew up in a time where what I saw on TV was Leave it to Beaver, Father Knows Best. Uh, If I saw anybody Black on TV, they were normally servants, slaves, poor, or they weren't business people. They weren't super successful. I grew up watching the civil rights era, people getting lynched, killed. Uh, My dad's from Louisiana. When we would go to Baton Rouge, I didn't understand too much later in life because my parents didn't want us afraid to travel, but we would leave Chicago at a certain time so we could hit certain places down south to get gas. And my parents rotated driving for like 15, 16 hours. And I was in college before I actually knew you could spend the night when you traveled because that's just something we never did going to Louisiana. In spite of these very real threats, Dave's parents encouraged him and his brothers to pursue what they wanted, and they led by example. His father was the first Black Army officer to lead integrated troops in Panama in the 1950s. His grandfather immigrated to the U.S. from Belize with a sixth-grade education in 1901. At 17, he enrolled in school again, finished college, then raised eight children in Baton Rouge. Every one of them went on to earn advanced degrees. Dave might not have seen many Black role models on TV, but he had them in his family, and that gave him the confidence to act on his passion. When did you start becoming interested in the built environment and architecture? I always liked building things. So I actually thought I was going to be a draftsman because I had never heard or met a Black architect. In fact, I really didn't even know what an architect was. But back in those days... Uh, drafts people did actually all the drawings and the architect kind of did the sketches, but drafts people produced the documents. So one of my neighbors who was older would show me little little drawings and stuff like that. And I said, man, you know, I play with Lego building blocks, erector sacks, make model airplanes. You got to remember, this is before the internet and all that stuff. You either played outside, so you had to be creative. But I always liked building things. In high school, that all changed. Dave met a Black architect for the first time. And he became my mentor. But he came along in the late 40s. And that's when you went to architecture school. You still learned masonry, carpentry, and stuff like that. I wanted to be a master builder. I wanted to design and build. Dave initially went to Morehouse College, a historically Black college in Atlanta. They didn't have an architectural program, so he studied psychology. After graduating from Morehouse, he went to Howard University, another HBCU in Washington, D.C., where he earned his degree in architecture. After school, he landed a job with a large engineering and construction firm where he worked as an architect on a nuclear power plant. And even though he was grateful to have a job in the field, he realized something was missing. But what was interesting, this again is before desktop computers and stuff, where we just had, we drew all day. You just sat there and drew and what happened they, uh, my dad always says, son, wherever they want you to go, you go. And they say, hey, we need an architect to go to a nuclear power plant job site to do some work. So I raised my hand and I went to that job site and I fell in love with construction. I said, you know what? I might be an average architect, but I could be a great builder. This fits me, the noise, the action. So I haven't picked up a pencil since 1981. I shifted over to construction and... That's where I've been for the rest of my life. I'm Danny Lewis. And I'm Alex Osola. 
On the Wall Street Journal's Future of Everything podcast, we explore the projects reimagining the world of tomorrow. Like using sound to rejuvenate coral reefs. Moving microchips beyond silicon. Silicon is no longer energy efficient. And how animals are helping treat human diseases. The future of everything is happening right now. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So you have this realization about how much you love construction. And then you eventually formed your own construction company. You started with a single $88,000 contract, right? What was it like taking the leap and starting your own company? Man, I was scared to death. I was scared. But, you know, my wife and I laugh. We were so broke. We we couldn't help but go up, you know. So, uh, but we were scared. I mean, seriously, I, you know, the, I was never a project manager at a high level or vice president. or So I, I didn't even know what I didn't know. I just had a desire, a drive to be good, to be honest, to work hard. I thought about my grandfather coming from Belize, my grandmother, the sharecropper. And I just, you know, I thought about all those who came before me because, again, I grew up in the 60s. I mean, people were killed for me to do, to even have opportunity. Dave's perspective and persistence paid off. Four years on, the size of the projects kept growing. He kept hiring. And Moody Construction won a small business award from the Atlanta Chamber of Commerce. Dave was even invited to the White House to receive a national award from President H.W. Bush. Everything was going right until it wasn't. 1991, man, we get the, we're the first Black business to win the uh, small business person of the year from the Atlanta Chamber of Commerce. I'm at the White House winning a national award a few months later. I mean, we are rolling. And I remember crying, getting tears when I won that award from the Atlanta Chamber of Commerce as the first Black to win that because I went, wow, I really do belong. You know, I, I can do this. And a couple months later, like I said, I'm at the White House with President Bush one. It was a group of minority co- contractors. I mean, and businesses. It was all different kind of businesses. And I was one of the winners and went to the White House. And everything's cruising. I'm thinking life's going good. He even entered conversations with a very well-known pro athlete who wanted to invest in his company. He signed a picture that read, To David, to the success of our construction company. And at the last minute, I turned down his investment. And his agent went, you're the money, his financial guy said, why'd you turn it down? I said, because I need to know what I could do on my own. But in reality, my life was getting ready to make a turn. That turn was a steep one. It happened when his wife found out someone close to her had been sexually abused as a child. The news triggered Dave in a way he didn't expect. And I just blurted it out. It happened to me. And I was not ready to blurt it out. Uh, I had planned on dying with my secret. And first I thought everything was okay. But not long after that, the panic attack started. The first one hit Dave while he was driving. And I actually think I'm having a heart attack. I think I'm dying. And I called 911. I'm on the side of the road. They hooked me up. And they go, sir, you're fine. So I go to my doctor and he goes, Dave, you know, you're probably under stress. Your business four years old. You're a young father and all that. Just take these pills. The final straw came a few months later during a business trip. What started as a panic attack turned into a full-on breakdown in his hotel room. I just got uncontrollable muscle tremors. 
uh, couldn't stop crying, the shakes. I just, I mean, I had fallen apart. That morning I said to people, I, I can't stay for the meeting. And that was the longest five-hour drive from St. Simon Island, Georgia, back to Atlanta. The pills were not what he needed. He knew something deeper had to change. He started with therapy, but only focused on his panic attacks, not the underlying trauma from childhood. I would just power through, but in reality, I was just wearing down again to in 2020. I felt myself getting ready to have another breakdown, but I understood the signs. And I went and found me a trauma therapist and finally did cognitive behavioral therapy. And for the first time in my life, I'm actually running my business to where I'm not wrestling with anxiety and trauma. Your leadership inside the company is inextricably tied to addressing this trauma that you had. How has your personal trauma impacted the way that you approach your career? I think one of the things it really did for me, I have incredible empathy for people and I'm very transparent. We can turn trauma into triumph. There's so many people who are stuck and don't and don't have hope. And I try and give people hope to never give up. After Dave faced his trauma head-on with intensive counseling and cognitive behavioral therapy, he was eventually free to live his life as a healed person, not just a survivor. And that allowed him to seize on new opportunities, like when Google came looking for companies led by people of color for data center construction. Google was out recruiting and trying to find folks, and then they came and interviewed us, pulling back the curtain, peeling the onion, you know, and they found out we were real. And we stopped chasing other work because one thing I knew, if they said yes, we had to be ready. And um, I've always been in survivor mode. And to finally get to a point where a company like Google said, hey, we're going to give some people of color a real opportunity to see how the sausage is made. It made me say, you know what, I want to keep doing this because I want to train that next generation of people of color in construction to really get behind the uh, curtains and see how it's really done. And I've been able to really recruit some good folks because they're excited, especially that younger generation, to get into data centers. I mean, that's, you know, that's like exciting to them. So it it, is just it's, it's great. It's awesome. Getting a chance to work on a data center has been huge for Moody Construction, especially in the construction industry, where Black people make up only 5% of the workforce. Moody Construction has worked on some very large projects, but working on a data center has been one of the biggest yet. So have you been inside a completed data center? Yes, I have, and it's the most amazing thing. But I have an NDA, so I can't tell you what it looked like on the inside. <laughs> but I'll, I'll say, this is what I'll tell you. It is incredible to see the equipment you see. So when you put something in Google, that's why you get the response so fast. So to see what it takes to run the Google uh, operating systems, you understand it now when you go inside a data center. Dave hopes that he can make real change in the field for people who look like him. Moody Construction regularly hires new talent from historically Black colleges and universities for mission-critical roles. So this is an incredible opportunity now for knowledge. And that means a lot to me to be able to give people a chance to gain an incredible knowledge that, as my dad used to always say, people can take your car, they can take your house, they can take certain things from you. 
but they can't take your knowledge. So that is what I'm really excited about is the knowledge. Knowledge of the work and knowledge of self. That's how Dave and his family survived and thrived during some of the most traumatic moments. It pushed his grandfather to start a new life in the U.S. and for his father and siblings to succeed in their careers at a time when everything was set up for them to fail. It pushed his maternal grandmother's family to uproot their lives as sharecroppers down south and move north to Chicago during the Great Migration. And it pushed Dave to tattoo the guiding words, turn trauma into triumph on his forearm. I mean, we're, we're, we want to become one of the go-to data center builders over time. And one of the things I've learned over the last few years, how self-care and performance go hand in hand. And we really have to take care of ourselves to really excel um, at the level that we're all made to be. I really believe we're all created to be incredible. But there's just certain things through our lives that, that's, that hinder us from going to that next level. Dave Moody is the founder and CEO of CD Moody Construction Company. If you want to learn more about Google's supplier diversity program, click through the link in the show notes. And you can also watch a short documentary film about Dave and his journey. You can find the link in our notes or find it on the Google Data Center's YouTube channel. Where the Internet Lives is produced by Postscript Media in collaboration with Google. Our theme song came from Echo Finch. Original music from Epidemic Sounds, Blue Dot Sessions, and Echo Finch. You can subscribe to the show on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you access your shows. And please give us a rating if you like the series. I'm Stephanie Wong. Thank you for listening. Listening.